So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the recent USDA report was a driver of the grain markets. We'll hear from Adam Piccolo with PI Financial in Winnipeg about how it's affected them. Drought and the future of agriculture were topics covered during a panel discussion at the SAR Midterm Convention in Regina yesterday afternoon. One of the panelists was Dr. Steve Shirtliff, a professor at the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. We'll have some of his comments. And, of course, preparations are well underway for the 2024 edition of Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. We'll hear from their media coordinator, Teresa Vallaton, on that. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's overcast here today, but it uh, doesn't look like we're going to get much in the way of flurries anymore. Yeah, that threat has pretty much uh, diminished. We've had uh, some of the thicker cloud cover pass by through the morning, midday. Even The chance isn't zero yet, but it is decreasing as the humidity is still running pretty high. Anything that tries to form would have a successful chance to get into the ground, but there's just not much forming. So we'll keep the chance at about 20% for another two hours or so, and then uh, it drops off to near zero uh, for the evening hours and night because the cloud cover will be decreasing as well. We'll see after a pretty gray start and still pretty gray most areas, uh, we will see the sunshine start to break through, and that eventually through the evening and overnight tonight, that cloud cover should break up nicely. Temperatures, though, are struggling. We've had a very slow progression of that temperature uh, working its way up. We've picked up a couple of tenths of a degree over the uh, morning hours. We'll likely pick up a few more. I think we have a run at zero, even if it uh, requires some round-off to get there. We'll make a very close run. Our high for the day will at least be minus one. We were there for most of the night. It has not been a moving temperature up or down. It's just been uh, pretty persistent through the day. Tonight, though, we will have a little more of a drop-off. Uh, later in the night, we'll see the temperature in the uh, later nighttime start to back down. After holding pretty steady, we'll get down uh, through minus 5. In fact, uh, a quicker drop than anticipated through the uh, later evening. We'll hit that drop and then hold steady. 
could even start to rise. That would not be out of the question to see it coming up again before the sun comes up. At the very least, it does make that rise pretty quickly through the morning on Saturday, partly to mostly sunny sky with a high near two. The wind may be the key factor in that. There is going to be an increase in the wind. It looks most likely to happen through the midday hours on Saturday, getting more to the 15 to 25 range, starting to get a few higher gusts as well. If that wind kicks up any earlier, that will turn the temperatures around because it's accompanying some warm air. Uh, so that will be the driver in the temperature rising to above freezing. We do get to 2 degrees tomorrow. And then tomorrow night and Sunday, the wind is really going to get going. 20 to 35 gusts could be up to 50. A quick shot of precipitation coming in. The concern is the temperature is 2 degrees during the day on Saturday. It's going to try to back down to around zero. That is not a given that we get to the freezing mark. And that's why the potential is there for precipitation to come in as a quick shot of sprinkles. The problem is it could get to zero at the ground while a loft stays warm, which brings in the possibility for some freezing drizzle. Flurries in there as well. That's actually the lowest chance of precipitation. Sprinkles would be number one. Drizzle would be number two. And then a distant third would be that flurry threat. The temperature comes up from near or just above freezing and then climbs back very slowly. We're up to around 4 degrees on Sunday. Any of that early cloud cover should be gone pretty quickly near sunrise, mostly sunny sky by later morning and through the day. But the wind will stay strong through the day. It leaves in some warmer air. As I mentioned, that warm air is coming in with the wind, and it's not just a day or so. It looks like next week as a whole is warmer. We're back down to 2 on Monday, but up to 6 on Tuesday. And we will wobble a bit, but we'll stay above freezing each day anyway. Nighttime temperature is still falling, uh, but daytime temperature is likely above freezing each day next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour... The Paw and Swan River are at minus 1, Dauphin 0, Brandon, Show Lake Russell, and Roblin minus 2. Regina, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head at minus 3, Saskatoon and Hudson Bay minus 2, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 4. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky. A south-southwest wind at 18 kilometers an hour. 87% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 2 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 7 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of plus 1 degree and dropped to a low of minus 2 degrees. There was 0.4 millimeters of water-equivalent precipitation that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 1 degree. The normal low is minus 10 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7.58 this morning, and it will set at 5.09 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Morden at plus 2 degrees. The cold spot to Dooley Lake at minus 27 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot was Moose Jaw at minus 13 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue in one minute's time. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. The recent USDA report was a driver of the grain markets. 
That from Adam Pacallo with PI Financial as he went over the performance of canola and wheat futures this week. January canola increased approximately $11 a ton so far this week. Uh, today, with uh, the majority of the gain, actually, we're up about $16.5 a ton, sitting at seven oh three fifty. dollars So, uh, regained that 700 level that uh, I was kind of watching. Yesterday, there was a USDA report, and we saw quite a bit of volatility with uh, featuring soybeans and kind of yields raised about uh, 0.3 bushels an acre and carryout was higher than expected, uh, which in turn kind of put some selling pressure with beans down about 20 cents yesterday. So that kind of dragged canola back below that 700 level. But again, it, it seems that traders are kind of back onto the buying side of canola which is a a good sign to see, uh, in my opinion, that we could now be maybe turning a little bit higher for sure. He's also keeping a close eye on the December Minneapolis wheat future. Right now we're down actually about 11 cents uh, a bushel as well too on the December Minneapolis. Today we're down about 4 cents sitting at approximately 7.30 here. So the supply and demand report yesterday from the USDA made a few minor changes um, which resulted in a kind of a small carryout increase of 14 million bushels and that resulted in ending stocks coming in above expectations um, and again kind of sending wheat futures lower. So uh, the trend on wheat has been, I would say, a little bit more sideways right now and since really kind of beginning of October, um, waiting for some news, which this might be the news to potentially kind of put a little bit of selling. But uh, overall, it seems that traders aren't uh, kind of going on either side, whether it's kind of, kind of more on the short or the long side here right now. So I would say that I'm going to be kind of watching, you know, the U.S. planes are supposed to stay dry for the next 10 days, you know, kind of how that affects kind of things longer term. But it seems like right now the trend is definitely sideways kind of in wheat, like I mentioned. Piccolo confirms that yesterday's USDA WASDE report has been a major driver for both canola and wheat futures. Correct, exactly. That was definitely, you know, the main driver, uh, as well as, you know, for corn, making new lows on the year as well, too, kind of keeping the bears in charge uh, for corn futures. Uh, This week as well, too, we have seen kind of the U.S. dollar turn uh, a little bit kind of lower, so that's been supportive for grain markets. Uh, Crude has actually been very volatile down about 7% here in the last short while, uh, below $80, sitting at about 77 today. So that was definitely a little bit negative uh, for, for grains in general, I would say. But he says the latest USDA report doesn't always determine his outlook for the future. I would say that I use fundamental data as kind of a starting block for when I talk to clients, maybe about outlooks, but um, I talk with a lot of farms too that uh, don't even like to look at those numbers just because whether they're inaccurate or, you know, they just, they don't believe what what they're coming out with. So again, I would say that I I use those numbers as a bit of a base because they are important to know for, for moving the markets. But in terms of coming down to where I think markets could go, that's when I look at at the charts and the technical side, uh, really to be unemotional about the markets because 
every day you can open up your phone and you can say, why is canola up $17 versus wheat down three cents like we are today? So uh, I find that talking with clients in a kind of an unbiased, you know, unemotional way, that's kind of the way that I create my trading strategies. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. GX94, Ag Review. The U.S. Department of Agriculture surprised the market yesterday by boosting the average corn yield 1.9 bushels per acre to a total of 174.9 bushels an acre. The new corn estimate is 15.14 billion bushels, breaking the all-time U.S. corn production mark set in 2016. The soybean yield estimate moved up slightly to 49.9 bushels an acre, up 0.3 bushels an acre from last month. The USDA left wheat production unchanged from last month's estimate. Among the changes USDA made for wheat by country were production decreases for India, Argentina, and Kazakhstan. Russia had the most notable increase from 85 million metric tons in October to now 90 million, while Australia remained at 24.5 million despite its dry conditions. The United States is importing record amounts of beef this year and exporting less after ranchers slashed the nation's cattle herd to its lowest level in decades, tightening margins for meat companies like Tyson Foods. The decline in cattle numbers after years of drought-fried pasture lands used for grazing led to soaring U.S. beef prices. Higher prices incentivize companies to import cheaper beef and discourage U.S. beef purchases by buyers like China, Japan, and Egypt. Analysts expect lower demand for U.S. beef and higher costs for cattle to translate into negative quarterly margins for Tyson's beef business, its largest unit, for the first time this year. The U.S. Department of Agriculture expects the U.S. to drop to the ranking of the world's fourth largest beef and veal exporter this year, down from second in 2022. Hong Kong authorities have ordered the culling of around 5,600 pigs in a herd after the African swine fever virus was discovered at a local pig farm. The licensed pig farm near the mainland China border tested positive for the ASF virus, which is harmless to humans, after staff took samples from 37 pigs for testing. The Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department says it will arrange cleaning and disinfection of the farm and will continue to keep local pig farms under close surveillance and conduct tests if necessary. The department has notified the World Organization for Animal Health and is investigating and tracing the source of the virus in collaboration with international experts. No reports of abnormalities from pig farms outside a three-kilometer zone have been received. 
El Nino weather conditions will continue through the northern hemisphere during April to June of 2024 with a 62% chance. That's according to a U.S. government weather forecaster. El Nino is a warning of ocean surface temperatures in the eastern and central Pacific and can provoke extreme weather phenomena from wildfires to tropical cyclones and prolonged droughts. Additionally, there is a 35% chance of this event becoming historically strong for the November to January season. The naturally occurring phenomenon is already spurring calamities across the globe, with the latest target being the neighborhoods of Paraguay and Somalia. The stakes are seen higher for emerging markets more exposed to swings in food and energy prices. In Canada, El Nino's effects are seen mostly during winters and springs when it's associated with milder than normal conditions in western, northwestern and central parts of the country. Farm and construction equipment maker CNH Industrial has announced its plan to abandon the Milan stock market and retain a single listing for its shares on the New York Stock Exchange. It would be effective from January 2nd next year. The Italian-American group, whose shares are currently traded both on the New York Stock Exchange and in Milan, earlier this year announced a plan to abandon its Italian listing. Its shares will be tradable in Milan until December 29th. CNH also lowered its 2023 revenue forecast, citing a softening for its farm machinery, predominantly in South America, sending its shares plummeting. As part of its New York single listing plan, CNH announced a new share buyback program worth up to $1 billion U.S. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 2 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Drought and the future of agriculture were topics covered during a panel discussion at the SARM Midterm Convention in Regina yesterday afternoon. One of the panelists was Dr. Steve Shirtliff, a professor at the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. He says great progress has been made dealing with drought over the past 20 to 30 years. When one inch of rain falls in the growing season, back in the, from the 60s to about the 90s, we used to get about two or two and a half bushels of wheat. Now we're getting between four and six bushels of wheat from that same inch of rain. So we're getting more efficient use of that by having better varieties and better agronomy and better cropping systems. That's all making this package of Saskatchewan much better and much more competitive that way. Of course, there are limitations. Can we do anything with catastrophic droughts? When it just doesn't rain, no we can't. Crops need water to grow, but where we can help is when we get low amounts of precipitation that we can have more efficient systems that, that go in there. So the best strategy is to have a cropping system that can use the water best when it actually does rain in its limited amounts. Shirtliff says more work needs to be done on forage research. 
We've had a couple new positions come in in our place where people are starting to look at more intensive managers and forages. It'd be nice to see that forages could go through a renaissance like our regular grain crop productions where they're seeing yield increases that people thought was just coffee shop talk in the past, right? I think we have potential to see that too. And on the crop side, Shirtliff is excited about the future of precision agriculture. I think the no-till revolution had echoes that went beyond just farming the land here in Saskatchewan. We saw a whole ecosystem of machinery manufacturers and research business come out of Saskatchewan. It's become a world center for it. My hope is that the same thing can happen in, in the digital agriculture world. You know, we already have some really good companies here mm -hmm. and there's new entrepreneurs <laughs> coming all the time. So I think it's a bright future. Dr. Steve Shirtliff is a University of Saskatchewan professor in the College of Agriculture and Bioresources. He was part of a panel discussion during the SARM midterm convention yesterday afternoon in Regina. Livestock Market Conditions The Livestock Market Conditions are a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdun. December live cattle are trading at 174.22, down 12. February live cattle trading at 174.77, that's up 30. January feeder cattle trading at 226.55, that's up 162. March feeder cattle trading at 228.85, up 160. December lean hogs trading at 72.10, that's up 65. February lean hogs trading at 75.85, also up 65. And that's the livestock market conditions. A partner with Polar Pork says a reduction from the record prices evident one year ago in feed grain costs has improved profitability but pork producers are still losing money. Florian Posberg first explains what Pooler Pork is. Well, we have uh, uh, six units around the province, uh, stretching all the way from Wood Mountain in the southwest to uh, Kerr River in the northeast. Um, our specialty is uh, sow herds, so we run about 12,000 sows, and uh, we produce early weans for... Uh, uh, customers in uh, on the west coast in BC and uh, in Iowa so uh, that's our specialty we do sell a few market hogs but our main business is really producing early wing pigs. He then outlines feed costs for the pork sector. Well we've went through a real period of uh, severe losses in our industry in general producing uh, early wings, which is the primary production, it's uh, even more, have, has been even more de de devastating where, you know, at times we've had uh, one quarter the uh, return on our uh, piglets that we did a year ago at this time. So it's it's been a, a tough go and uh, feed costs have been part of it. Of course, when you're selling to feeder pig, uh, Finishers, uh, the feed costs are feed is definitely their main cost, and so high feed costs. Uh, a year ago, we were looking at uh, seven dollar corn in the U.S. Today, that's come down to uh, you know over four dollars, but a lot nearer to four dollars than 
than five. So it's, uh, it makes a difference. It's probably $20 a hog plus, uh, when you combine uh, lower corn costs with, uh, lower soy meal costs. So uh, that, that's going to make a big difference. I don't think we're really out of the, the doldrums yet. We're still losing, losing money, but, uh, at least, uh, we're not losing near as much and with lower feed costs, uh, we have a, a lower break even so we can uh, look forward to, uh, lower feed costs resulting in a better, uh, profitability in the industry. Posberg talks about the key factors influencing feed costs. Grain prices in general, really, when the Ukraine war started and a few factors like that, uh, grain prices, whether it's canola or corn or barley or whatever, uh, really spiked in value. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a supply and demand and, and concern about uh, security of supply globally that we seem to have caused grain prices to really spike. I think now things have stabilized. We've, you know, not have a, had a great crop on the prairies, but it's it's not a complete disaster. Um, the corn and bean crops in the U.S. are probably a little better than they had hoped. Countries like uh, Brazil continues to uh, just increase production by bringing more acres in, so that that affects us globally and. As well, Eastern Europe, um, Russia, and Ukraine—they've—they've uh, they've had their struggles, but they've seemed to have found a way to keep on producing grain and and pushing it into the the world marketplace. So, you know that uh, at the end of the day, the historic high grain prices have have come down considerably, uh, not to the level that they were say five years ago, but. You know, they've come down and uh, it's made our, our industry a lot more viable. He explains how this year's prairie harvest could influence the pork outlook. Well, in 2022 to 2023, we ended up feeding a lot of corn because barley was uh, not widely available and uh, quite high priced in relation to uh, corn. Uh, this year, however... Even though we've had a, a relatively uh, modest or poor crop of barley in the prairies, um, the availability appears to be quite a bit better, and, and we're back feeding wheat and barley. The uh, the Chinese uh, were were buying just about all the barley that they could, they could get their hands on from Canada, and now they're uh, sourcing some of their barley from places like Australia, and and so they're. Uh, the export of, of uh, barley and, and wheat have been somewhat subdued, making the, uh, the availability for our business viable again. And um, we don't know how long it'll last. Uh, the supplies are not great. Parts of the prairies did have a, a pretty good uh, barley crop. I know right around our Humboldt area here, uh, we were real lucky and got rain, and we've got producers talking about 100 bushel an acre barley crops. That's not the norm, but, uh, you know, there are markets like that where uh, the grain is obviously much more available than, than the drought area. Posberg outlines the prospects for the next few months. 
Well, we went through a real tough period that started in about February, and uh, you know, uh, not not very many people made any money uh, since then. We typically got lower prices in uh, the fourth quarters of the year than the first quarter of, of the year. So our uh, prospects don't look very bright uh, for the next couple quarters. Uh, in addition to that, the USDA hog and pig report that was uh, put out in September showed that uh, even though there were severe losses, it seems like uh, <laughs> we're we're a bunch of survivors now, and we didn't uh, reduce our production nearly as much as uh, what was rumored. In fact, the USDA is forecasting an increase of pork production by 1% to 2% next year. So if that's the case, and uh, unless exports and, and the domestic demand show uh, improves, you know, our, our tough period is not over. He tells us what needs to happen moving forward for the hog industry. Well, the, the whole meat complex is, is kind of a bewildering uh, place to be. Uh, beef prices are record, uh, record high. Um, there's uh, steer calves, uh, smaller steer calves selling for $5 a pound live weight. Well, uh, hogs and, and, uh, and poultry uh, broilers are, uh, are losing money. So it's kind of weird what's going on. I think globally uh, the pork in North America is probably the most economical that you will find anywhere. So uh, we anticipate that uh, we'll be super competitive in the international market and we'll see our exports go up. If that happens and uh, the USDA was a little off the mark, and in fact, we see uh, somewhat of a reduction in, in uh, meat supplies. Uh, we know there's going to be less beef. Um, there may very well be a little less uh, chicken, and if there's a little less uh, pork and exports are strong, there's some hope that things could uh, certainly turn around in 2024. And Posberg has these final comments. Well, I've been in the business since 1975, which by calculation is the 48 years. Um, we've had tough times before, but this this one, this downturn in the market is uh, dragging on uh, longer than just about any other time we've had similar situations. So it's been tough on our industry. Without profits, we can't reinvest in our facilities and that sort of thing. Uh, when you consider that uh, beef supplies are dropping year over year, uh, pork production is uh, not likely to increase anytime soon. You know, for, um, consumers are, are going to have less meat supply in the, in the meat case uh, longer term unless something turns around. Florian Posberg is a partner in Polar Pork. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this afternoon. January canola trading at 703.60. That's up $16.50. March canola trading at 711.50. That's up $15.50. 
December Minneapolis wheat trading at 7.30 and three quarters. That's down three and three quarters of a cent. December Kansas City wheat trading at 6.42 and a half, down four and three quarters of a cent. December Chicago wheat trading at 5.77 per bushel, down three and three quarters of a cent. December corn trading at 4.64 and three quarters, down three and a quarter cents. January soybeans trading at 13.47 and three quarters, that's up four and a quarter cents. December oats trading at 3.48 and a half, up 15 and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Preparations are well underway for the 2024 edition of Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Media coordinator Teresa Valaton says they've already lined up a number of guest speakers. We sure do. We're very excited about our speaking lineup. We have two theaters running for all three days, and we have some phenomenal speakers um, with a wide variety of topics. So we're really pleased that we think we have something for everyone to come and uh, find something that's relevant for their operation. She outlines some of the speakers. Certainly. So David Frum will be speaking on geopolitics and how we use that information to make decisions on our individual farms. Dr. Brianne Tidman will be talking about weed management. Graham Sherman is coming from the tool shed to tell his story of produced on the prairies products. Jim Carrolls is talking about AI and agriculture and transforming the world's oldest profession. Dr. Grayson Ross will be with us. He's giving us a vet's perspective, some calving tips and tricks. And Scott Fairburn will join us for a customer-driven approach to equipment. So we have a, a little bit of something for everyone in the lineup. Valaton notes Manitoba Ag Days is just over two months away. We would love to invite you to join us at the Keystone Centre. It's January 16th through 18th, so right in the middle of January, come and join us for three days in Brandon. She adds that the deadline for the Manitoba Ag Days Gives Back program is fast approaching. We certainly do. Ag Days Gives Back has entered its second decade, which is amazing. We have given back over $360,000, and the deadline uh, for this year's application is November 15th. We have two types of applications we're accepting. We are giving away six community grants, nope, 17 community grants for $2,000 a piece to nonprofit organizations to support their continued operations. So anything that they need to support their continued operation. And then we're giving away three scholarships of $2,000 each. And this year, though, that criteria has opened up a bit. So those scholarships are open to any post-secondary education or training that's related to agriculture. That is not just degree or diploma programs. That includes things like driver training, um, mechanic training. So it's really, really opened up the possibilities. And we hope to see a wide variety of applications as a result. Valaton notes eight groups received $2,000 grants last year. So last year, the community giving grants were targeted to fire departments. So Roblin, Glenborough, St. Anne, Whitemouth, Edward, St. Rose, Clydenborn and Oak River fire departments all received community giving grants last year. This year, the applications are open, as I said, to any nonprofit. So uh, we are opening it up for 
all sorts of community organizations that could be anything from the daycare to the rec center to the food bank to the domestic shelter. So we're hoping that, again, we see a wide variety of applications and we're looking forward to taking those all in in the next week. Applications close next week, Wednesday. She adds they also handed out three scholarships last year for $1,000 each. We certainly did. We had three $1,000 scholarships last year. Rhett Greve, Lacey Calder, and Emily Robb each received a scholarship. And as I said, this year, the scholarship amount has gone increased to $2,000. And we're very, very appreciative of the support of our visitors to um, make that possible for us to be able to make that increase. Valaton explains how to apply for a grant or a scholarship. If you go to agdays.com, you will find all the information as well as the application form. And that's located in agdays.com and then community giving. And she had these final comments. I think we just want to reiterate that we are excited for the 47th show coming up in January. We would invite you all to attend. We're looking forward to sharing the details with you as the show grows closer. You can find us on social media, Facebook, X, or Instagram at manitobaegdays.com as well to find out all of the information as the show approaches. Teresa Valaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after this. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Extensive data has been released about fatal accidents and injuries occurring on Canadian farms over a 10-year period between 2011 and 2020. The numbers were released last month during a webinar sponsored by the Canadian Agricultural Safety Association. The top 10 causes of fatal farm accidents were rollovers with 91 deaths, followed by runovers at 90. Being pinned or stuck was responsible for 53 farm fatalities, while being struck by a machine object accounted for 48 farm deaths. Entanglements were ranked number 5 at 46. Rounding out the top 10 were being struck by a falling object, a collision between vehicles, animal-related deaths, falls from a high elevation, and asphyxiation in grain or soil. Of the 32 animal-related deaths, 17 were caused by horses and 15 by cows or bulls. The top two causes of falling from a height were ladder scaffolding and falling from a silo or grain bin. Younger and older people were involved in the highest number of fatal farm accidents. There were 124 incidents involving people in their 70s, 119 for those in their 60s, and 103 in their 50s. The numbers declined for those in the 20 and 30 demographics, but for young children between 1 and 4 years of age, there were 26 deaths caused by fatal farm accidents in Canada between 2011 and 2020. Colleen Drool is with the Canadian Injury Prevention Centre. This is the one that really identifies we are not doing a very good job when it comes to children. And as you can see, children between the ages of one and four had the highest number and the highest rate of being run over. 
They had 12 deaths in this 10-year period. The top five machines involved in fatal farm accidents were tractors, followed by motor vehicles, ATVs, then bulldozers or bobcats or skidge steers, and then farm wagons at number five. Farm Bulletin Board. Bidding is now open for the reverse auction for grassland restoration through the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. If you're interested in converting cultivated land back to perennial cover using a native plant species blend, then you can place a bid in their reverse auction for a chance to receive financial compensation for your project and gain technical expertise and insight for your project requirements. So if you want more information on that, you can simply contact the Saskatchewan uh, Stock Growers Association and it's uh, a website you can check out. It's www.ssga.ca or you can just give them a call at 306 530 1385. Once again, that website www.ssgf.ca. It's now one o'clock and it means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds southwest at 10 to 20, and a high of zero. For tonight, clear to partly cloudy, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, and a low of minus 5. For Remembrance Day tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds southeast at 15 to 25, a high of plus 2, an overnight low of zero, with temperatures rising overnight. For Sunday, early cloud with a 30% chance of sprinkles, then mostly sunny. Winds west at 20 to 35, gusting to 50, and a high of plus 4. For Monday, mainly sunny, a high of plus 2. And Tuesday, mainly sunny, a high of plus 6. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 1 degree. Dauphin is at 0. Brandon, Show Lake Russell, and Roblin all in at minus 2. Regina, Broadview Mooseman, and Indian Head are at minus 3. Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, minus 2. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 4. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, a south-southwest wind at 18 kilometers an hour, 87% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 2 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 7 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again on Tuesday at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.